You're listening to Radio MD. She's a chiropractic physician, lecturer, author, entrepreneur, and talk show host. She's Dr. Suzanne Bennett. It's time now for Wellness for Life Radio. Here's Dr. Suzanne. One question that comes to every parent's mind is, at what age should parents talk about sex to their children? Or at what age do children need to know about sex? So, you know, when should you get started? And what do parents need to know in order to successfully navigate this discussion? Dr. Leah Lees, the shameless psychiatrist, is the perfect person to answer these questions. And she is a medical doctor who is a double board certified adult and child psychiatrist and the best-selling author of No Shame, Real Talk with Your Kids About Sex, Self-Confidence, and Healthy Relationships. She's also very uniquely positioned to help parents and children face many mental health challenges, and live healthy lives and is super passionate about reducing shame. Welcome, Dr. Leah. Thanks for having me. Yes, really happy to have you here and talk about a very touchy subject. It's a difficult question to, to answer, right? I mean, how do you answer this question? How do we talk to our children about sex? The answer is, you know, it's you have to learn how to address the awkward. Like, you know, the thing is, is if you're not talking about your kids about sex, they're, they're taking in so much information about sex as it is. You have to counter program. You have to impart your values. So it's really about talking about sex as soon as they can talk with really the basics of, you know, biology and um, naming the body parts correctly. And that can be like getting your, over your own fear and embarrassment and shame which is a very tough to do because, you know, we all experience these like micro traumas of our whole life where, you know, we feel shame about our sexuality because our culture, you know, has, has taught us so much about that. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're, you have a child and you don't want to impart those same kinds of things down. So you have to learn how to dress the awkward. So get out in the mirror and talk about like, you know, just get familiar with saying like labia and, vagina and testicles and get right, you know, label those body parts correctly instead of, you know, using these cutesy names for them, because that will actually protect your child from sexual abuse and assault. Um, and, uh, will make them less likely to get targeted by predators and be believed by law enforcement. God forbid anything bad would happen to them. And, you know, and then it goes on up to like talking about how babies are made and reproduction. And, you know, then you're starting to talk about like hormonal changes in puberty. And then you're starting to talk more of the um, nitty gritty of pleasure and intimacy. So you need to be talking about all along. And that requires getting rid of your own awkwardness. Mm. I, I, you know, I remember when my son is 26 this year. And when he was a little babe, I mean, tiny, he's, he was, he talked really at an early age and he's very, very like curious about everything. So I actually bought a book. I bought a book that had like normal, uh, not like animated body parts, but real body parts that for, for children, right? A book that, um, that we could read. And we went over that at a very young age. And so we, in my household, we never, I never would, it was, if we take a shower, we take a shower. It's, it's not like we were, um, and I didn't have any shame about my body as a mother. You know, my son might come in and say, Hey mom, can, can you make me some food? And he wouldn't like get all, you know, embarrassed about seeing me in, in the nude. 
Um, but after a certain age, of course, that, that changed. But when he was very young, it was not a big deal. And he knew his body parts really, like I think kids should know, as you're saying, teach them so that they feel comfortable about their, their own body parts. So I love the fact that you, you want people to talk about, um, you know, the, the body and who they are and be comfortable with them um, just at a very, very young age. And then, of course, everything is age appropriate, right? Age appropriate. But I've got to tell you something about a patient of mine who is um, seven years old. She's a young, beautiful little girl. And I, I visited their home uh, for, for a um, home visit. I, most of the time I'm on telemedicine. But anyway, I went and had to, to visit their home. And she was wearing a very, very like revealing outfit and dancing in front of TikTok. Now, not everyone might not know what TikTok is, but it's a social media platform where you can videotape yourself. And she was dancing in a super provocative way. Like I, I don't even adults doing that to me, it's provocative. You know what I mean? How yeah. do we manage this with our young people is seven years old? Well, that is because we have lost control of technology and the media is increasingly pumping out more and more sexualized images for younger children to have access to. TikTok is the perfect example. It actually says on their website, 13 and up, but yet many, many families have children way younger on it. It's not meant for that. I don't know if a lot of parents even realize that the, the age limit is kind of like getting your seven-year-old to watch a rated R movie. And so these um, people on TikTok are wearing certain sexually explicit outfits. They're dancing and they're also cursing like truck drivers, you know, and, and saying very derogatory uh, statements about women's body parts. Um, as you can imagine, the P word. And like, you know, these are like seven-year-old kids are mimicking these lyrics and actually saying you know, these really negative things about their body. They don't even know what they're saying, of course. And then you're, it, it's kind of, it's horrifying and it's becoming common, so common that it's almost um, ubiquitous. And not, not just the scariness of like having your kid learning these things, but um, putting themselves out there in a way that they will be, um, they could be targeted by predators. Um, I actually did do a podcast with Christina Cuomo recently on this it's on Instagram live about how predators will target children um, based on their TikTok or other internet accounts. And um, these children don't always realize and end up meeting up with them, assuming that they're, you know, young or, you know, they have these fake accounts. So putting your child at risk. So, you know, of course, I'm going to say quite obviously, you need to understand age, age when, in which it's appropriate for these, for your child to have these accounts. But also, they could be sneaking behind your back. So I always suggest that every parent just pick up their kid's phone and look through it and make sure there's nothing on it um, that they didn't know about because they're very tech-savvy kids. And they will just, like, you know, create fake accounts and whatnot. You won't know. Um, and obviously to put all the parental controls on their phone. But despite that, like, let's say they do, they are 13 and can have TikTok accounts. It doesn't mean that, like, you know, you shouldn't still monitor. And that means like having a conversation with your kids, like, what do you think about that outfit? Or what do you think about that word? What does that word even mean? I hear you, you know, singing it. Do you know what it means? And, you know, so they can, 
once they're informed, they can make a decision for themselves. Like, does this represent the values that my mom and my dad and the people who love and care about me would like? And it, and if if it if they're just trying to be rebellious, fine, they're going to be rebellious. But sometimes they don't even know, you know, like at least they can make an informed decision about how, you know, what they want to say and do, because they might even be horrified if they knew. So it's kind of like you have to go through and say, did you know you said, you know, the N word, you know what that means? You know what that the, the history of the racial history to that, like, is that, you know, something you'd be proud of saying? And like, you know, Sometimes they're like, yeah, mom, forget you. Like, I'm doing what I want to do, and I'm going to say these words. But a lot of times they'll think about it, and they'll, they'll incorporate some new values into the way they think about lyrics and the way they think about their body. So it's like you have to impart your values, and that requires being um, in, interested in their TikTok, watching everything, talking about it. And if you don't make them remove it, you just might want to say, I'm not going to, like, make you remove this one, but I just you want you to kind of be aware of, like, what it looks like or what, you know, you might think or other people might be thinking they watch. Mm. Um, if a young, young child, you know, under 10, let's say, is introduced to that type of sexually explicit material, what actually happens to them? I'm talking about in the, the brain sense, the mental sense, um, their physical health. Uh, does it clearly affect them? Well, you know, exposure to pornography before the age of 10 can be very traumatizing. It can cause a lot of sexual issues when they get older because it's very confusing and it can lead to children um, inappropriately expressing sexual behaviors. So touching people's body parts, spanking, hitting, um, things that they shouldn't be doing because they have exposure to a lot of pornography, which is traumatizing for them. and so obviously you need to do your best to, you know, keep them away from it. Um, and if it, if it, in, of course you need to say, like, if you were ever to see something like that and you explain to them what sex is and you explain to them, like, you know, to, you know, if you see adults naked on, on TV or see, you know, anything on a computer, you need to tell me right away. Cause most kids below the age of 10 really don't have much interest. And they, if it's shown to them, it's shown by, you know, somebody who's sort of bullying them, like an older um, an older brother, you know, or as somebody at the school is kind of like trapping them into a situation where they're sort of being forced to watch because they would naturally gravitate towards it. Um, and so then you're thinking about like the bullying and the intimidation that went into like getting this kid to watch something they shouldn't, they probably won't, like they'll find very disturbing, sort of like watching a horror film, you know, and, and a lot of times they can't unsee it. So it can, you know, cause nightmares and uh, regression and things that um that are very upsetting so after and then after the age of 10 you know things start to change and they get hormones and they get more interested in these kinds of things and it, it's still you know pornography can still be pretty traumatizing if it's very violent or degrading um and shows a lot of things that they don't they can't put into context I do think after a certain age, they are going to watch pornography. Probably it's ubiquitous. 85% of all teenagers have seen pornography. And after that point, you got to think about, you know, you can't stop them necessarily from looking at it once they're 14 and up. I mean, what are you going to do? Tie them, you know, hide them in their room and never let them out. Like no matter what restrictions you put on your phone, they'll have access to their friends' phones or their, you know, so then it's, it becomes, um, 
negotiation with them. Like, okay, if you're going to watch pornography, which, you know, I can't necessarily stop you from doing it. We need to have a discussion about what, what it means. Like, you know, these are actors, right? These are pay, usually paid actors. They're usually STDT testing occurs off stage. These people have already talked about contraception. They've already discussed their boundaries and, you know, all, and the, their bodies may not look like your body. They might be surgically enhanced or they might have an exceptionally large penis and you shouldn't expect a, for you to have that kind of body and B for your partner to look like anything like that and C you can't just assume because they seem like they're enjoying themselves on pornography that who you're with is going to enjoy equally those kinds of, you know, spanking or hitting. And you always have to get very explicit consent around those things, verbal. And, you know, don't start there, start soft. And like, you know, sort of educating them about, you know, pornography and how like this is not mainstream, despite what they might think. Mm. Is there a difference in the way you educate boy or girl is there a way uh do you think that both parents should be together talking about it uh whether it is a girl or a boy but is it a, there's a difference in the language that you use i think that boys and girls should be educated very similarly and i have no problem with you know parents sitting a son and a daughter down and explaining everything at the same time you know um, you know, but I also think there is a really nice role for cross gender discussions like um, a father talking to their daughter might be very meaningful around the issue of body image and um, how, you know, things like curvy women, you know, are very attractive. You know, you don't need to like look at these magazines and think that that's what all men like. And I think there's like, you know, a discussion around that. That could be very powerful for coming from a father. I think a discussion around pleasure for girls from a father can say, you know, a father could say something like, if it doesn't feel really good, something is not right. It's not just about the idea that, like, if someone hurts you, I'll kill them. But, like, it's supposed to feel good. Like, if it doesn't feel good, that's, you're going to be thinking to yourself, this is not right. Something is, is not right in this. And I, and you probably need to take a step back and look about whether or not this is making sense for you. And that coming from a father is a really awesome, like self-esteem building experience to allow their daughter to be their authentic self and not fear monger, but actually help them to develop into a, like a powerful sexually evolved human being. And for a mother to sons, I think they're in this beautiful place of saying, you know, really talking about boundaries, like you don't really need to push a girl um, past her boundaries. Like you should really have a discussion before you even get into a sexual situation about what they're willing to do and not willing to do and not push them past it. And certainly if they want to, you know, if, if you decide you want to go past any, you know, agreed upon verbal consent, you need to renegotiate consent verbally. So it's not just like, you know, having your hands slip down from, you know, the traditional second to third base, you know, the nipples to the, to the vulva area. It's like, you got to say like, is it okay if I touch your you know, vulva or I touch you down there and point explicitly to where it is. And like, because the problem is, is that, you know, boys are getting into a lot of trouble now and, you know, even legal trouble for assault and otherwise, because they're not um, making uh, really negotiating very clear boundaries and consent. Mm, such a great point for you, what you're making. Can I ask you a question about uh, gender identity? 
Do you talk, sure. do you work with gender identity cases? Yes. Yes, I do. Because more and more I'm, I'm um, hearing more about it and, and it's coming up, you know, in, in the media and all that. Um, are you finding that it's, it's becoming more discussed or, I mean, that it's the same thing that's been going on, you know, percentage wise, is it just that it's just more talked about now? Or do you feel that there's a shift here going on? Well, I definitely think there is a shift because it's more accepted that more people are, you know, exploring the idea of becoming transgender or adopting other kinds of gender identities. Um, uh, and I think because it's become more accepted, there's definitely more gravitational pull. Um, and what's very interesting is a lot of people, a lot of children or teenagers with autism or other um, social skills deficits are coming out as trans. Um, and, you know, it's hard to understand 100% why that is. Might be because they have a lack of understanding of, of their identity in general and struggling to find their identity um, and they're kind of lost socially. So this is something they are gravitating to. Um, I also see that, um, you know, it used to be like, you know, a lot of kids would identify like with this emo or they would have like black eye makeup and black hair and, you know, and they kind of identified as on the fringe. And now those, a lot of the same types of kids are saying now that they're trans. And, you know, it's hard for me to make sense of what that means. I think it has a lot to do with confusion over their identity and trying to find a group that is, they, they can identify with. That being said, I see a lot of transgender kids from very early childhood, I mean, you know, who, who identify, well, I should say gender dysphoria when they're younger, who identify at five, six, seven, eight as, you know, being very confused about their gender, wanting to be a different gender. And on those kids, it's a pretty like solid slam dunk, you know, how to like kind of help them, you know, transition and support them through their um, journey. But when it happens older, 12, 13, 14, and it's in the context, context of social skills deficits like autism or depression or other major mental health issues, it's very hard to discern whether or not this is something that they're really going to want to stay with for the rest of their lives or not. And it becomes an ethical issue around, you know, do you allow them to, you know, have surgery or have hormones um, which might permanently affect their bodies when, you know, you're not 100% sure, you know, that they've really understand the ramifications, like in terms of infertility and permanent changes to their body. So it, it, it becomes incredibly tricky. Mm, uh, it does seem that, you know, before we're done, I definitely want to talk about this, this uh, movie that's been, I guess uh, it's a French movie and it's about a coming of age movie called Cuties. And there's, I know, you know, there's definitely controversy about this movie because it sexualizes children, or at least some say that, you know what, it's a really good to show the, uh, the awareness of what's going on with our ch kids. Um, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I watched it. I think it is an incredibly poignant, um, almost like documentary. I know it's fictionalized, but like about, you know, what happens 
children who are exposed to very sexualized media, like, you know, young children with TikTok is a great example. You know, seven-year-old girl. A lot of what they learned, you know, these girls were learning on the movie were from social media. They were imitating, you know, mature, much more mature content than they were ready for. And they also were living in, you know, very poor and disenfranchised kind of fringe culture in France, Muslim girl in France. And, um, with, uh, you know, for this young girl, there was a complete lack of, you know, understanding or validation of, you know, who she was. So she was like just trying to struggle to find, to fit in. And, um, so therefore got caught up in this kind of sexualized stuff. And at the very end, she's, that you see her jumping rope like a normal kid. And there's this joyous look on her face kind of indicating to the viewer that, you know, she's most joyous when she's not being pressured to grow up too fast. Um, I thought it was an incredibly strong social commentary. I mean, it was incredibly disturbing to watch these children dressing, you know, very sexualized and basically like humping the floor. Um, but in the movie, they show the looks on the parents' faces as they are watching these girls perform in a talent show and they're utterly horrified. So you really get the sense that the director of the film is not saying that this is okay. He, he's making a commentary or she's making a commentary on how um, disturbing it is to see children sexualized like that. So I didn't have a particular problem with the movie, like it should be banned. However, it definitely needs to be rated R or up. I would not want a young child to see it. Mm, great. Thank you. Well, where can we find more about you and your work, uh, the things that you're really into? Um, and then, of course, your book, No Shame. Where can we get that? My, uh, my book, you can get my, you go on to noshamebook.com. And you can find out more about my book and buy it on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles or Bookshop or wherever you get your book. And I sincerely hope all you guys out there um, buy it. And so you can raise um, uh, socially conscious, you know, happy, you know, evolved children who really love their bodies and really love who they are, which is what the point is. And uh, that's about it. Fantastic. You do have a website also, uh, your own personal website? Yes, yes. It's uh, Dr. Leah Lease or shamelesspsychiatrist.com. Great. Oh, no shame. Real talk with your kids about sex, self-confidence, and healthy relationships with Dr. Leah Lease. And that's D-R-L-E-A-L-I-S. And you can find her at drlease.com or shamelesspsychiatrist.com. Thank you so much, Dr. Leah. Thank you. It was so fun. You bet. You bet. You have a great weekend. Ah, it's such great information. Great information. I know all of you have learned such, such good things, what we can do and really learning how to speak to our children. And a lot of us do feel as a parent, feel shame about it because the way we've been brought up, but know that this is really about uh, the way your kids are growing up. They need to have this information. And for sure, um, you're going to, you're going to develop a stronger relationship with your children so that your children trust you, trust you when they need to talk to you they'll come to you because they know that you're not going to shame them you're not going to judge them and uh anyone here who hasn't 
subscribed yet, please do so so we can continue to do our very best. And if you need help, anything in digging deeper with your health issues, I work with people globally through phone and Skype consultations. My contact info is available on my website, drsuzanne.com. Until next time, go out there and live your best life today, full of energy, enthusiasm, and ultimate health and wellness. This is Dr. Suzanne sharing natural strategies on the Wellness for Life show right here on Radio MD. Stay well.